This is the Limited Upside Podcast, and today's sponsor is MailChimp, the world's leading email marketing platform. 12 million people use MailChimp every day to connect with their customers, market their products, and grow their e-commerce businesses. Send better email. Sell more stuff. Welcome back to another episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. We appreciate MailChimp sponsoring the show, and we have a good one today. Mike's not here, so I'm running the show solo, but I'm not actually solo because I have Ricky O'Donnell with me of SB Nation NBA and our NBA. I should say this uh, most vehemently because this is what we're going to be talking about. This is the topic today. He's our NBA draft expert, so let's talk about college basketball prospects. Ricky, thanks for coming on, bud. Thanks for having me, Ben. This is going to be fun. So we don't have to have Mike, you know, killing us with the NBA talk that uh, drains away from our enthusiasm for the college game, which which I get crap for watching both. It's an inferior product, according to my good friend, Mike Prada, but I love it. And there's a ton of good prospects this year. So let's probably get right into it and we'll break it into two. Uh, let's call it two groups right now. Let's talk about the guards and then let's talk about the wings, because that seems to be where there's a lot of uh, talent depth in this draft. And I think the first guy to start with should be, I believe, the consensus number one on a bunch of boards right now. Although we should say there's a lot of people vying for that top spot. Let's start with Markel Fultz. Can you, can you tell the world about Markel Fultz? I know he's tucked away in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, so Markel Fultz is a guy who uh, I think, you know, he, he didn't enter college with the hype that Ben Simmons did a year ago. But in the same way that Simmons sort of established himself as that number one guy uh, pretty quickly, Fultz has done the same thing. I think, you know, this draft season began with the idea that it was a wide open field. Anyone could be number one. Well, that didn't last for long because as of right now, I would be shocked if anyone but Markel Fultz is the number one pick. He looks like the best guard prospect to come into the draft in a long time. You can go back to Damian Lillard. You can go back to Kyrie Irving, maybe even John Wall, because when you look at the way the game's going and what you want out of a lead guard, Markel Fultz has it all. Uh, just a little bit of backstory on him. He was someone, the first thing you're going to hear about Markel Fultz, I think always when people tell a story, is that he was cut from the varsity basketball team at DeMatta High. Uh, he was <laughs> a sophomore. So that's where uh, Danny Ferry went, Victor Oladipo went, Jaron Grant went, Jeremy Grant went. Uh, so a prestigious high school in D.C. that's produced a lot of great basketball players. Markel Fultz couldn't make that team as a sophomore. Well, that year, uh, you know, over the next year, he really started to develop his game. He blew up on the AAU circuit. And after two summers, he became a legit five-star recruit who was, uh, you know, inching up towards the top 10 of the rankings. Interesting. Uh, this year at Washington, he's just been phenomenal. He opened the year with back-to-back 30-point games. Uh, he's, he's really just been a terrific off-the-dribble scorer. He's averaging 22 a game. A very creative passer as well with a six-and-a-half assists a game. So Markel Fultz just really does it all. I think he's, he's, his jump shot's been better than a lot of people have anticipated. I think that that was, you know, a question mark for him heading into the season. Well, he's hitting 47% of his jumpers. He's only taken four threes. I should say of his three-pointers. He's only taken four right. threes a game. Uh, but it just sort of paints a picture of like, this guy can kind of do it all out of the, out of the backcourt. Sure. Like w- the, the whole country would know his name a lot louder if he was playing for like Kentucky right now, I think is, is sort of the story with him from a national standpoint right now in terms of, I have not gotten to watch him play more than two or three times. And that's usually because the games are on so late or he hasn't really played a full schedule yet of that pac 10 ball just started. So I'm interested to see when he matches up with Lonzo ball. Another one of these interesting point guards, we should say this is. 
a point guard draft for the ages, potentially. I know there's a lot of hype around these guys. There's Dennis Smith. We'll talk about him. But the one thing I wanted to ask you about, Fultz, if you can give me a comp. I'm always interested in player comps when it comes to college players, especially guys whose games have that kind of NBA-ready uh, uh, branding already. I know we're hearing that a lot with Fultz. He's ready to transition right to the league. Can you tell me who his game reminds you of, Ricky? Yeah, comps are tough. I think, you know, the first thing you got to look at is the size. This is sure. a little bit before my time when I started uh, <laughs> really getting into basketball. But one name that comes to mind is Penny Hardaway as just a mm-hmm. super smooth guard who could get his shot up off the dribble uh, and get others involved. Now, for a more contemporary comparison, how about that one year where Drogic was just killing it in Phoenix <laughs> uh, before he was traded to Miami? I think that, you know, that's the type of guard that he could be just sort of like the engine of the offense. Uh, and I've heard other people compare him to a combination of D'Angelo Russell and Emmanuel Moutier, meaning you know, Russell's skill set with just right. more athleticism. I don't think that Fultz is like an A-plus athlete, but he's a superior athlete to Russell, I would say, for sure, in terms of going for to sure. the basket, uh, how he should be able to attack defenses off the pick and roll. And, yeah, I mean, if the, if the country doesn't know his name yet, I think that they are <laughs> going to become uh, more accustomed to it as Pac-12 play rolls on when he has matchups against, sure. like you said, Lonzo Ball and UCLA, also a pretty good Oregon team. It's a tough conference, so he's going to be tested. Unfortunately, Washington's a disaster, and they do not look like they're going to make the NCAA tournament right now. I was going to ask, are we going to have a repeat of what happened to Simmons last year where, where maybe that one player takes more heat than he deserves, but the team just really isn't that good, and you don't get that that March Madness showcase? Yeah, I think the difference is that Simmons' LSU team had the sort of recruiting profile where they should have been a good team. That team was sure. loaded with top 100 prospects. They had other McDonald's All-Americans. Washington is just really devoid of talent uh, because Marquise Chris and – uh, Murray both went to the draft last year's one and done. No one really anticipated that when Fultz committed to Washington. I think that those are two guys he expected to have with him as sophomores this year uh, for the Huskies. That hasn't happened, and they just don't have the horses to compete. It's sad because uh, you know the same thing's probably going to happen next year with uh, Michael Porter Jr., who's probably one of the top two prospects uh, in the 2018 draft. So he's uh, also going to Washington. Yeah, he's also to going to Washington. They hired his they hired his dad as an assistant coach to get him to commit. Uh, so it's just unfortunate though, because college basketball needs all the good publicity it could get, right? And Markel Fultz right, is right. C T V. So they right. have the, arguably the most dynamic talent in the country, not in the NCAA tournament. I just think it's a bummer for college basketball in general because he's the type of guy who, if he was at, let's say, Louisville, who was on his sure. list, or if he was at Maryland, which would have been the hometown school, uh, yep. it would have just generated a lot of excitement coming into the tournament. Oh, man. I guess maybe when Trimble decided to stay, that uh, dissuaded him from going to Maryland, perhaps. But I guess we'll never know there. There are some other very talented point guards, though. We'd be remiss to st- just stick on faults. Um, between Dennis Smith at NC State, uh, let's see, Lonzo Ball at UCLA, uh, Darren Fox at Kentucky. Um, who is that next point guard for you in this draft if Fultz is the first one? Yeah, it's tough. I think that it's between Ball and Smith, uh, and it's tough to gauge because Smith is coming off a torn ACL. He tore his ACL in August of last year. Uh, oh, wow. What it, it was at Adidas Nations. Uh, it was in the championship game of that event. I remember watching it. It was televised on ESPN when it happened. But what that allowed him to do was graduate high school early and enroll at NC State at the end of the first semester, at the start of the second semester. Sure. So he was in. He was like, a, you know, a student at NC State for the last part. Of last season, he was able to, you know, get accustomed to the team. He was able to watch Cat Barber, who was a great point guard for NC State last year, one of the best players in the ACC. Uh, so he's been with the program for a little bit. But we've just seen this uh, with, you know, numerous NBA players: Derrick Rose, Ricky Rubio, Rajon Rondo. It takes a while 
you know, for a player to become fully healthy off the ACL. Look, Jabari Parker seems like he's finally now becoming comfortable after his ACL uh, in his rookie year. But Smith's game is really predicated on athleticism. If you want a comparison for him, someone like Eric Bledsoe might be might be the guy because he's really uh, I I think I personally think he's a little bit better pull up jump shooter. When I saw Dennis Smith on the AAU trail, I did kind of think of Lillard and that was Damian Lillard. That was pre-injury here. Uh, but you know, he's just that kind of lead guard who I think is going to make a killing in, in the pick and roll at the NBA level. He's someone who, if you saw the clip yesterday of his big dunk yeah. NC State against Ryder, he just explodes off the ground. I mean, he has like, you know, I don't know if I want to say a plus athleticism, but like a athleticism, well, probably. that's the strength of his game. Absolutely. And that, that dunk, if, if anyone listening hasn't seen it yet, you should, you should probably look for that vine. It's, it's like one of those Westbrook dunks where he's kind of like looking face level at the rim as he throws it down. He's got great extension too. I don't know. I looked, I heard a comp of Steve Francis and then I watched that dunk and was like, that was Steve Francis. Ooh, was I very like Francian. Yeah, yeah. So I do think he's a little bit more of a natural playmaker than Francis was. Francis okay. was more of a six, three, two guard, right? I was a big Steve Francis fan back in the day. <laughs> That's right. That's your he didn't have too. longevity. Yeah. So you, you, it's hard to remember him, but Steve Francis was amazing when he was at oh, you know, yeah. his powers. And uh, I do think that Dennis Smith has a better grasp of his point guard responsibilities. I also think he's been a sneaky good shooter. He's making 40% of his threes on 4.5 attempts a game so far. Uh, we'll see if that lasts, but he has been a good free throw shooter as well. He's making 80% of his free throws. So Smith is sort of like that super athletic lead guard, but he's not very big. He's probably 6'2". He doesn't have long arms. Uh, and, you know, typically in the NBA draft, the last few years, we've been seeing the lead guards that get selected in the lottery be, you know, the Dante Exum types or the Moutier types that are really big. Smith right. bucks that trend, but makes up for it with just great athleticism and good instincts for the game as well. Now, you can sure. just build his talents against Lonzo Ball because Ball does have that size. He's six foot yeah. six. Uh, you know, he's someone who he, he's he's a point guard for UCLA. But they play a four-guard lineup where Lonzo Ball is actually the four, even though he has the ball in his hands quite a bit offensively. Defensively, he's checking four. So uh, he, Ball does not have that type of super explosive athleticism that Smith has. He's not someone who's going to beat you off the dribble, get to the rim. Actually, Ball yesterday made what was a surprising play to people who have watched him all season against Oregon in the final in UCLA's final possession. He took a Oregon defender off the dribble, finished at the rim. That's extremely atypical for Lonzo Ball so yeah. far. We have not seen him penetrate a lot into the middle of the paint. Uh, but even that know, move, even that move too, that was a drop step. You know, he he got his man to a place, put a spin move on him, which is still more of like a slow big man move than it was like a, a slashing guard move, if you will. Right. It didn't look super clean, right? Like he's going right. to have That's to right. figure out ways to, in the NBA game, if you have a, if you have a spread floor and you're running the pick and roll, he's going to have to figure out ways to finish uh, when he's penetrating and, scoring because right now he's someone whose mindset is like pass 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 every everything he's doing is passing because he will penetrate into the lane quite a bit for ucla but he's kicking out ucla is often right. playing five out lineups they have so many talented guards with bryce alford with uh drew holiday and justin holiday's younger brother aaron uh with isaac hamilton with another five-star freshman who could be in this draft and tj leaf who's their stretch forward yeah. you say so, both are big so their center can shoot too uh the, the yeah thomas Walsh can, can shoot Walsh. a, a yes. mid-range jumper as well so yes uh, he's like the know, ziller cousin or something to that effect there you go yes. uh so i think you know ball's big question is going to be like he's putting on just a tremendous show right now at ucla but 
if he doesn't have all these pieces around him where, you know, he's playing in four or five out lineups every single time he's on the floor, how will that sort of impact him in terms of being a guy who doesn't really look for his own offense that much? Uh, right. So, and I also think there's there's other concerns, like the the motion on his jumper is just... It's crazy. Typical. It's, he's basically slinging the ball across his face and then releasing it, but he also has great range on his jumper, and he's making 43% uh, up to this point, so... I mean, yes. it's hard to it's hard to knock ball too much up to this point. He might just be someone who's just a special talent, really. Yeah, uh, yeah. He has a Kevin Martin esque shot, and and it kind of feels like one of those things where eventually, when you make it to a a level of talent, a level of a uh, success that he's gotten to, where is that fine line between changing something and throwing somebody off and, and adjusting it just a little bit so maybe it doesn't start as far to the opposite side of his body? Because I, I gotta feel like the hands in the NBA will won't permit that, you know, just, just by hand placement, defensive positioning alone. But uh, you're, but you're right. He's hitting a high percentage. I think the interesting thing with ball, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, the the film on him is going to be weird for all of the film that, that, that uh, scouts are looking in, and breaking down what he did in high school uh, with his high school program. Everything is wide open. I know you probably have seen them play a number of times. Anyone listening to this podcast was a Chino, Chino give me the high school, Chino Hills, right? Yeah. Look at that. YouTube that everybody it's, it's somewhat, uh, uh, unique in that they, they don't really run anything. It's no, absurd. It look like basketball. They're throwing yeah. full court outlet passes. Right. And taking half court threes every possession with <laughs> Rondo right. and his two younger brothers. And they haven't lost a game in two years. And they're both going to UCLA also. And the yeah. guy who's coming next year, he's the small forward shooter. And then the one after that, he's the point guard creative, still really good shooter. So yeah, it's, they're quite interesting. The point I'm making though, is there's no like organized basketball right. thing because it's not organized basketball. And what UCLA is doing, like you just said, that's a much different brand of basketball in the NBA as well. Um, I'm, I, I fear that maybe he is a product currently of the early season hype. A lot of expectations. His team is much more visible than even, you know, Markel Fultz or Dennis Smith uh, are, are getting from the national perspective. Let's dive into the, uh, to the wings, though. Quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll get into the dynamic wings in this class and hear more from Ricky O'Donnell. This episode of Limited Upside is brought to you by MailChimp. 12 million people use MailChimp to connect with their customers, market their products, and grow their e-commerce businesses every day. MailChimp has been around since 2001. The company started as a side project funded by various web development jobs, but now they are the world's leading email marketing platform. They send more than a billion emails a day. They democratize technology for small businesses, creating innovative products that empower their customers to grow. When you connect to your store with one of MailChimp's hundreds of e-commerce integrations, you can create targeted campaigns, automate helpful product follow-ups, and send back-in-stock messaging. Learn what your customers are purchasing, and then send them better email. MailChimp will also analyze the purchase history of each customer to make smart, data-driven predictions about what they'll want to buy in the future. It's enterprise-level technology made simple for everyone. Just drag and drop. Sending personalized product recommendations to your customers increases sales in just a few clicks. MailChimp detects purchasing patterns in your e-commerce data and uses them to automatically predict your customers' buying behavior so you can target the right people with the right products. It's MailChimp. Send better email. Sell more stuff.
Okay, cool. And we're back. Ricky, uh, tell me about Josh Jackson. He's your top-graded wing here. I know you've been following him for, for a long time through the AAU circuit uh, and to now through Kansas. Yeah, I think Josh Jackson's awesome. He's someone who at 6'8", uh, 210 pounds, he's just a, the type of versatile defender that the NBA really values nowadays. It seems like there's never been more of an emphasis on wings. And Josh Jackson, to me, is the best wing in this class. Now, he doesn't have the jump shot. That's going to be the one thing uh, that's sort of limiting him a bit. He's only making 27% of his threes this year. He also has kind of a strange release on his jumper. But everything else Josh Jackson does is great. Uh, I think his playmaking has really been the biggest development uh, this year at Kansas. Has really opened people's eyes because he has dropped some amazing passes this year uh, for the Jayhawks. And he's also just making big plays defensively all over the floor. He's someone who on the AAU circuit had a reputation as being as competitive as anyone in the country. And that's really shown through at Kansas. Uh, you know, he's a slasher right now, but he's also got an amazing feel for the game. He's a great passer. And he's a very willing and versatile defender. So, you know, he doesn't have the jump shot. But I think for someone who doesn't have a jumper, he, he pretty much maxes out every other area in terms of, you know, size, feel, passing ability, defensive ability. He has everything you're looking for besides for that jumper. Interesting. So so you would put Josh Jackson uh, as a current player. Uh, Potential-wise, where does he sit? Do you find him to be someone who could eventually make the leap to be like an NBA All-Star? Because I know the hype around him has been large as well. Um, we will get to see him play in, in March Madness because Kansas will be there. Uh, they're third in the country right now. So do you see his ceiling being the type of player who you can build a team around? Is he going to be a top three pick in this draft? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's sort of interesting comparing him to Wiggins. Uh, you know, another mm. recent... Uh, Kansas wing who was a one and done. It's like the thing with Wiggins, like currently in the NBA, right, is that he's not really getting any other stats besides for points. That's right. Uh, I think Josh Jackson's going to fill up the box score. He's someone who's going to get you six, seven assists uh, on any given night. He's someone who's going to get two, three steals, two, three blocks. But Wiggins has actually turned into a pretty good jump shooter when that was a question mark for him entering Kansas and then even entering the draft. Uh, I think Wiggins' form is a lot better than Jackson's, so I don't know if we can expect the same type of development from Josh Jackson on that end. But, you know, I really do see Josh Jackson as the type of guy who can be a cornerstone for a really good team, and I would expect him to be a top-three pick in this draft. Okay, so he'd probably be the first wing off the board. Uh, other wings of interest I know in this draft are names like Jonathan Isaac, I'm hearing from Florida State, and Jason Tatum uh, from Duke. Who is your second wing off the board? Yeah, I'm going to go with Isaac. I think Tatum's mm. sort of the consensus pick, but I really like Isaac. When I saw him at USA Basketball Camp last year for the first time, I was I was blown away. And then the guy he reminds me of, and uh, longtime <laughs> NBA draft nerds, this will appeal to, and literally no one else, but Perry Jones. I always thought <laughs> Perry Jones could be someone oh. who could be really good because he was so tall and so athletic and had a good shooting stroke. It didn't work out for Perry Jones in the NBA for a multitude of reasons, but sort of that rough facsimile is there in Jonathan Isaac. I mean, he's your classic oversized wing. He's six foot ten, but he's comfortable handling the ball. Uh, he's a really good shooter. He's making thirty seven percent of his threes this year. The problem with him right now is that he isn't getting a lot of shine on a deep, talented Florida State team. Uh, you don't think of Florida State as a traditional power, but they have some really good players this year. Dwayne Bacon could be another first round pick. Xavier Wraith and Mays yeah. is someone who dropped like 37 and one half when he was a freshman. He's a shooter. Jeez. So Isaac, uh, he's only playing 24 minutes a game at the moment. He's only taken eight shots a game. You really haven't seen the best out of Jonathan Isaac. So some people can look at that and be like, well, you know, he's not, uh, he's not 
taking control enough. He's not showing enough initiative to like take over games, right? Sure. To me, I think that he's proving to be an effective player while he can blend in with a good team. And, you know, early in his NBA career, that's going to be important because certainly, you know, as a 20-year-old or whatever, no NBA team is going to be force-feeding him, no matter how talented he is. Really, he's going to be a 6'10 guy with a 7'3 wingspan who can uh, hit a spot-up jumper, who can attack a closeout. So I think, you know, the, the raw tools of what you want in the NBA – Jonathan Isaac has it all, but it's just like we haven't really seen him take over a college game yet because Florida State has so many other options. Yeah, he's a, he went to what IMG, I believe. So he's already been playing within a – and then to Florida State. So he's played for two professional sports teams <clears throat> already, so that's good. Um, <laughs> but I know that one of the things I see in Isaac is uh, a body figure, right? He's going to grow into who he is. He's a very thin guy, like you said. But 7-1 in the quarter wingspan um, always helps. I know that one of the weaknesses I was watching on – I always shout out to Draft Express because they do a great job. I, I have to. Um, when they break down the weaknesses, they show just – Overall, the way he plays the game from a defensive standpoint, it doesn't work very hard, doesn't really get into that. That's something that could be taught, but I think um, obviously it's easier to teach those defensive things in a body frame like that. And you see the teams who would be picking potentially around uh, maybe the, the 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 where he would be are all decent young teams that he could really kind of jump into in a nice place. Minnesota, Los Angeles. New Orleans wouldn't be Los Angeles. That'd be the Sixers. Sorry. Um, <laughs> which is another thing I want to ask you about, by the way, we'll get to that. Uh, Portland, Denver teams like that could add a guy like this. And, and that'd be interesting. The other guy we were talking about was Jason Tatum. Uh, that's a guy who was uh, highly regarded out of high school. Again, much like all of these guys, these were all McDonald's, all American type players. Uh, Tatum goes to Duke. He was just joined by Harry Giles. Can you tell me about both of those guys? And we'll take the Dukies out of this real quick. Yeah, so, I mean, they were best friends. They played together on multiple Team USA events, uh, you know, throughout high school. Giles suffered his first big knee injury. Giles tore his ACL, MCL, and meniscus in one Ugh. injury, 14 USA, after his freshman year of high school. Just a devastating injury for him. But him and Tatum oh, sort of formed this bond uh, when they were overseas playing international competition. They're both really good players. Those guys were basically the number one and number two recruits the whole way through before Fultz started to bubble up and before, you know, Isaac was a late riser and some of those things. But uh, Tatum, I think the first thing you got to realize about his game, he's a six, eight, really smooth wing. Uh, he's someone who like the best thing you could probably say about him. And this sounds like a weird thing to say about a freshman in college, but his footwork is phenomenal. The, you know, <laughs> the first thing everyone always praises is his work in the mid post. He is really good at that. Uh, you've seen it already at Duke where, you know, he'll put a smaller defender on his back, hit a fadeaway. It's free money. But, you know, you wonder the way the NBA is going, like how that's not the most efficient look for sure. Right. You know, his shooting range has not been developed out to three point range yet. He's not hitting even 30% of his threes. Granted, he had an injury that cost him the early portion of this season. So he's just starting to come along now. Uh, Jason Tatum's a good player to me. He's someone who like from the shoulders down, isn't super special. I would take Josh Jackson, uh, you know, in terms of just like athleticism, shoulders down from Tatum for sure. Josh Jackson's also great from the shoulders up. So the question is like, how good is Tatum going to get from the shoulders up? Potentially he profiles as someone who could be a secondary creator, someone who could, you know, run pick and rolls and be a really good passer. Uh, That's just a projection at this point because we haven't really seen it from him. Well, I was going to ask, his his measurables look almost identical to Jabari Parker's, another former Duke one-and-done player. Is there any similarity in their game? Uh, Parker's a freight train, man. I think that he just has a <laughs> lot more weight on him. He's someone who, when he gets yeah. going, no, like he can just dunk through anyone, basically. Tatum's not that type of guy. Tatum's a little bit more of a finesse player, but he does have great size. I think he's about 6'8". Uh, Tatum, I would say, 
is they they are similar sort of inside the arc jump shooters where Jabari when he was younger uh, did a lot of his scoring on like dribble pull ups and you know post moves stuff like that. Tatum sure. has a similar arsenal and also you know when Jabari was young I used to say that Jabari Jabari has moves on moves for uh, for such a young player. Tatum's a similar way really yeah. So I just sure. in terms of like how developed their offensive game is at such a young age. I do think that that's a pretty good parallel, but Jabari is just raw power is something that I don't anticipate Tatum to ever have. Interesting. So his, his uh, counterpart there, his friend, Harry Giles, who had that absurd injury. uh, And then did he not, did he tear his ACL again last year? Right. Then he he tore his ACL in the uh, first minute of the first game uh, senior year when he transferred to Oak Hill. Oh my God, poor guy. But now he's back and, and I'm assuming getting confidence by the minute. Uh, I mean, look, I tore my Achilles. I think all of our listeners know that. I still have not played basketball. That was eight and a half months ago. I'm I'm afraid to, okay? Like I, this type of thing to happen to a young guy twice uh, and that first injury tearing everything in your knee. I can only imagine what the, uh, the physical therapy for that was. But anyhow, he's back. Um, is this something where you think professional scouts are going to be nervous about this injury moving forward? Or is he going to be kind of uh, profiled where he should be and land where he should be in this draft? No, 100%. They're going to be concerned. How could you not be, yeah. really? Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I don't anticipate him doing much at Duke this year either because Duke is so good. They have Emil Jefferson inside. They have Marquise Bolden inside. It's like, how much is Harry Giles even going to play? No matter That's how true. good he is, it's like the ACC is going to be a war. Duke's going to run with. You know, Duke's best lineup is probably going to have Emil Jefferson as the only big man. Jason Tatum is the four, and then they're going to fill out the rest of that lineup with wings and shooters. Coach K always likes to play small. I wonder how much Harry Giles we're really going to see this year. On the season, he's only played 10 minutes. He really hasn't showed anything, so it's uh, it's just way too early to, you know, uh, make any big assumptions about him as a player. I did see him on the AAU circuit before the injury last year, and he tore up Nike's UIBL circuit that season. I saw one game where he just got dominated by a really big and strong front line for this team, the Georgia Stars, which had Azubuke, who's a freshman on uh, Odeka Azubuke, who's a freshman on Kansas this year, and Wendell Carter, who's a year below these guys. He'll be one of the top picks in the 2018 draft. He's going to Duke as well next year. Uh, but, you know, Giles' game is really predicated on athleticism, just being a 6'10 guy. Uh, 7'3 wingspan, really smart, athletic defender. I think it is fair to wonder how much the knee injuries are going to take a toll on that, and that'll be one of the biggest questions uh, come draft time. Interesting, and that's why they pay GMs the big bucks. Let's do a speed round. I have some questions that uh, I want to get to, and then we'll do the fan questions. Uh, so let's get to it. Let's see. Um, give me some Euros to watch, some Euros of note that we don't know of now that will be drafted in the first round and make some franchise upset momentarily. Well, now I'm going to butcher all these names. So <laughs> Notice I asked for the Euros and I didn't give you any names. Yeah. Okay, so the best Euro is definitely 6'5 French point guard, Frank Tilakina, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, sure. He's someone who could potentially be a top five pick. Uh, uh, I think that if you compare him to you know the other guards in this class, he fits right in in the sense that he's super sized. He's a better shooter than someone like De'Aaron Fox. I think De'Aaron Fox is a better athlete. Uh, but he's also a really good defensive player. He's someone who, you know, might be able to defend better than Dennis Smith can just because he's bigger and longer. Uh, it will be interesting to see sort of where an international point guard prospect goes when there's so many good domestic point guards. But he looks sure. like the top international guy on the board right now. Okay, cool. So look out for Frank. I'm not even going to try his last name. Uh, he, he's currently playing for uh, Strasbourg. So if that's why you haven't heard of him, that, uh, that that's probably why. Uh, let's see. Terrence Ferguson. That's a name I know. He was a McDonald's All-American last year, but he's not playing college basketball. He's playing in Australia, correct? 
Yeah, it's correct. Now, I really like Terrence Ferguson. He was committed to Arizona. He ended up going to play in Australia, but he's someone who just profiles the type of wing uh, that the NBA loves nowadays. Super mm-hmm. athletic. Someone who's capable of winning a dunk contest and a three-point shootout. I guess that's how I'd put it for Terrence Ferguson. Uh, the player he sort of reminds me of in that sense is Terrence Ross. Who has I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. He hasn't had a great career uh, in the NBA yet for Toronto, but you know, he's still capable of like popping off for 20 points basically whenever sure. he wants to. He Ross had a 50 point game two years ago, yep. I think. So yep. uh, I think T is that type of player and, you know, the talent with that type of athleticism and that type of shooting in a six, seven wing, it's going to be pretty tempting. Yep. Yep. That's right. So Terrence Ferguson's a name everyone should be looking out for. Uh, if you don't know of him, that's because he's playing in Australia currently uh, as a professional. So the last one of the the speed round here. Tell me some second round steals names. We have not mentioned. These are not the, the marquee names in this draft, but the guys who eventually might still stay around and stick around the NBA as those good contract guys who, who make teams can, you know, kind of roster over roster and stick around the league. All right. I'll give you a couple. Uh, the first guy who jumps to mind immediately is Josh Hart from Villanova might be the national player of the year in college basketball right now. Six, five wing. Uh, the jump shot was always the question mark with Josh Hart, and now he's making over 40% of his threes this season for Villanova. He's just been phenomenal in terms of his offensive development this year, and he's always made his name on the defensive end. He declared for the draft last year, opted to come back to Villanova, but I talked to him at the draft and asked him who he compared his game to, and he said Tony Allen. Like That's his mindset on the court. He's going to be a defense-first, shutdown guy, and now he's someone who can hit it, you know, hit a jump shot, uh, who can attack the defense off the dribble, so... Uh, I think, you know, Josh Hart is the one senior who's really developed into that guy this year. Uh, another guy I like is Devontae Graham on Kansas. He's next to Frank Mason. He doesn't get the ball a lot, but I think that he's someone who uh, fits into sort of the pick and roll uh, ethos of the current NBA. Someone who can get into the teeth, teeth of the defense, hit a dribble, pull up. He's been pretty good. And the last name, super sleeper I'll name, is Cam Oliver from Nevada. 6'8", blocks a t- 6'8", 230, blocks a ton of shots. <laughs> hits threes, basically does it all. Uh, he's, you know, playing pretty under the radar for a Nevada team that not a lot of people are watching, but, uh, you know, is a four, maybe even a small ball five because of his shot blocking ability. I think Cam Oliver could be a steal. All right, cool. All right. One last question from me, and then we'll get to the fan questions. Cause I just kind of thought of this as you were going through your, your guys who've kind of jumped up and maybe into your interest. Tell me, tell me a player who you've watched this year, who you were high on, who you're a little lower on right now. And then give me the inverse of that. Tell me a player who you started off a little questionable about, and now you, you can't wait to see him play in the pros. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess I would say, I guess I would say Bam Adebayo, even at Kentucky 6'10 center. Uh, I did have my question marks about him coming into the year, but you know, there were stories uh, leading up to this season where people thought that he could be a top five pick. People were comparing him to Amari Stoudemire in his prime. There's that, that type wow. of like physical beast, 250 pounds, dunk it on your head every play. Uh, Maybe it's because Kentucky has no shooting and spacing around him, but he just really hasn't had the impact at the college level I would expect. And then you look the way the game's going. I mean, if you're a center, you don't really block shots and you got no shooting range. It's like, what are you doing? So uh, I think he's probably going to slide a bit. And then in terms of someone who's been better than I anticipated, uh, you know, I had my questions about Malik Monk because – you know, you look at him, he's 6'3". Uh, he's not really a point guard. He's, he doesn't project as someone who could develop point guard skills. Uh, I don't know how much he's going to defend because he doesn't have long arms. But you know what? If I'm an NBA team and I have someone like Giannis, I have someone like Jimmy Butler, I have someone like Ben Simmons, I have someone like LeBron James, some like superstar who's always going to have the ball, what I want around them is just a guy who can 
hit a three and who can attack a closeout and who's athletic enough to make plays in transition and on the defensive end. And that's what Malik Monk does. So I think, you know, in terms of a complimentary piece, this kid's a ridiculous shooter. We saw him pop off for 47 points against in a great North Carolina team. We saw him hit seven threes against a tough Tom Izzo defense on Michigan State. Uh, yep. He's just a he's just a shot maker. I don't I don't really know what else to say. And I think you know while he does have flaws in his game, he he hasn't like driven the ball at all, despite the fact that he's an awesome dunker, an awesome athlete. Uh, he, that's the type of guy I want around my superstar, just because he's going to hit tough shots and make life easier on my franchise player. No, I agree. I, I can't believe we made it this far without talking about Malik Monk. He's been one of the most impressive players this season uh, at Kentucky, but in general in, in college basketball. I'm glad you got to him, and I love his game. I think. I think he pairs well with one of the point guards when the Sixers have two of the top uh, seven picks in the draft. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And, and hey, the the Bulls could be picking in the top ten too, Ricky. Right? So well, uh, they can't. Yeah, they can't. Can they? Well, they have the Kings pick, which is protected through the uh, top ten. So that could be eleven. Uh, the ah, Kings are true. actually in the playoffs as we speak right now. They're the eighth seed in the in the yeah. West. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, the Bulls could potentially find themselves with two picks in that like you know ten to sixteen range. Uh, that could be quite interesting. So let's get to some fan questions real quick to end with here. Um, give me a guy. This is from uh, All That Amar. Thanks, Amar. Appreciate it. You've been on the podcast before. Uh, let's see. Top guy primed to make a name for himself with a strong march. And then give me some seniors um, that might be able to contribute in the NBA today. Okay. Guy making a name for himself in March. I'm going to go with OG Ananobi on Indiana. He's someone who broke onto the scene last year, shut down Jamal Murray in that great Indiana, Kentucky. Uh, I think that was around a 32 matchup. Ananobi's had a couple different injuries this year. He hasn't really taken off. I'm a full believer in his game though. Six, eight, probably 230 pounds at this point. Uh, you always it feel like draft season. People are always saying this guy can defend one through five, but like how many actually can? OG Ananobi actually can. I think he's the best defensive player in this draft class. He has just elite athleticism, uh, and his jump shooting's been pretty good. He definitely has a long way to go as an offensive player, but like if you like the Justice Winslow mold, if you think that that's a winning player, which certainly I do, I think Ananobi's just like a bigger, faster version of Justice Winslow in a sense. So I expect him to be a top ten pick. And hopefully in March, he can, again, make a name for himself and sort of push himself up the draft board. Cool, cool. Always those Indiana players that fall under the radar, you know, not a big public, uh, not a lot of uh, notoriety in the, huh. in the world of college basketball. Uh, let's see, uh, Ryan Berger had asked about who the best defender was, but you just named that. So we appreciate that question. Uh, let's see. We had a Bam Bam question. We got to Bam Bam. Uh, let's see. This is one of my favorite ones. We have a lot of Knicks fans. Uh, we are SB Nation. You know, we have a lot of New York-centric uh, Content and also, you know, Mike and I live here in New York. So let's see what potential point guards. This is from N.O. Carter, Carter with a K. What potential point guards could the Knicks draft in this class? Maybe in the middle of the first round. Yeah, I think De'Aaron Fox is someone who's going to fall a little bit uh, because his he's just not a good jump shooter at all. That's a big hole in this game. But De'Aaron Fox does a lot of things really well. First of all, he's probably the fastest player in college basketball end to end. He's six He's just ridiculous. Him and Monk yeah. in the same backcourt is like they're the exact same size and somehow have <laughs> polar opposite skill sets. It's true. Fox is it, an amazing defender. He's a really good playmaker. He led the EYBL in assists and steals his last year on the circuit, and he's proven that at Kentucky too. But his jump shot is just its not good at this point. But he's someone who can actually penetrate and get to the hole, which Monk doesn't do up to this point at least. So uh, I think Fox, you know, because you just wonder – from an NBA perspective, like how good could an NBA offense be with a non-shooter point guard? And then if you have one of these guys like, you know, Ben Simmons or someone else who's going to demand the ball, like 
how much of a threat is Fox off the ball? But the Knicks don't really have that, right? Like, you're not going to be running the offense totally through Porzingis, I don't think. Like, he's not going to be sort of the guy who's going to be creating all the looks for other people. They probably want someone to help him create looks. And I think Fox, uh, with his speed, with his ability to turn defense into offense, could be someone who falls down a little bit and ends up being a really nice player. Yeah, I kind of see him as like a a Rondo 2.0 almost uh, in some of those you know, assets as you just mentioned, which, which definitely makes for an interesting player with a better attitude. Rondo 1.0 could be a heck of a player still too. Um, let's see. I think that's all of the questions from the fans. We appreciate those. Ricky, have we missed anybody, man? I know you do this uh, 24-7, 365, and I always love talking college basketball, so this is a lot of fun for me. Is there a player we've missed or anything that you'd love to, uh, to, to, to pitch right now that you're working on we could check out for on SB Nation? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, in terms of guys we haven't talked about who could go sure. in the top 10, Laurie Markkinen from Arizona is a seven-footer who shoots threes. Uh, you know, the question with him is how much is he going to defend? I think that his athleticism is still sort of a question mark. This three-point shooting is not a question mark. And, sure. you know, that combination of size and shooting is going to be really appealing to, to someone in the top 10, and I think that he'll go in that range. Uh, in terms of the SB Nation coverage, we've had yeah. quite a bit of draft content uh, already we have a profile of dennis smith a scouting reporter dennis smith that's going to run uh next week focusing on his you know sort of strengths and weaknesses as a point guard so you can look out for that and yeah i mean we've we've written quite a bit about markel Fultz, josh jackson uh, malik monk already this year so uh, if you pay attention to sb nation's college basketball <laughs> page and nba hub i'm sure you'll uh, you'll catch it Awesome. Yeah, we appreciate the uh, the hard work you put in, and I can't believe I forgot the NBA's first potential Finnish player in uh, in in Laurie with a great name. He'd be the first Laurie and the first player from Finland, and I usually uh, note those things pretty pretty closely. Uh, cool, Ricky. We really appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, I know that Prada misses uh, being on these podcasts dearly. Although we were talking college basketball, so maybe he doesn't really care that much. Uh, but uh, it's always great to talk college hoops with you, Ricky, and we hope to have you on later on in the uh, in the NBA season as the draft approaches. Bud, thanks again. Well, thanks, Ben. All right, awesome, guys. Until next time, this is a Limited Upside Podcast. Integrate and connect your store with MailChimp in order to personalize and automate your marketing. Visit MailChimp.com to learn more.